morning. It's good to be together, and it's good to be in the presence of God together. So I want to start this morning by showing you a short clip of a famous composer, John Williams, and the Wiener Philharmonic Orchestra playing a classic Williams piece. It's the main title from uh, Star Wars A New Hope. (laughs) Has that won me some credibility, I wonder? Uh, Now, it's six minutes long, so we're not going to show you it all. We are going to show you a wee snippet. So we're going to start it in the middle. And the reason we're going to start it in the middle is because I not only want you to enjoy the music, but I want you to see the breadth of instruments that are being uh, played and in in the orchestra. So sit back for about a minute or so and just enjoy this. Thanks. Just a little teaser for you all there. Go home and watch it. It's awesome. It stirs the soul. Go home and watch it. So, whether you are a Star Wars fan or not, I hope you can feel the magnificence of the music uh, created only because all of those instruments are playing their respective parts. And when played together, they produce a beautiful, powerful, moving sound. What struck me as I watched that clip is that if one of those instruments didn't fulfill their part of the composition, the music would not be complete. Each of the instruments needs the others to fulfill their parts in order for the music to be what it was created to be. Now, today we're at the point in our Holy Spirit series where we we are transitioning into exploring spiritual gifts. And as we do so, I found the orchestra image a really helpful one to keep a hold of. Each of the spiritual gifts that we're going to look at over the next few weeks are all needed. If one is missing or neglected, the church family won't be as healthy, strong, or effective as it could be. Just as the piece of music in our clip needed each instrument to play its part, we as the church need each other to play our parts with our spiritual gifts. So, this morning, we're going to be looking at a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge, the first two spiritual gifts that Paul mentions in his list of nine spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. So if you've got your Bibles, let's open our Bibles, get your tablets or your phones out, let's read the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. 
to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So, Let's start with the definition of spiritual gifts. We're then going to remind ourselves of some general information about spiritual gifts because we're just kind of launching into this, this bit of the series. And then we'll focus on word of knowledge and word of wisdom specifically. So um, scholar and theologian Wayne Grudem gives this definition of a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in ministry of the church. A spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in ministry of the church. So let me move on and give you some general, six general points about spiritual gifts. And I'm going to move quite quickly. I make no apologies for that, but I'm going to move quite quickly through these, okay? But they're just kind of going to give us a foundation about spiritual gifts. Okay, so number one, Paul makes it clear that spiritual gifts are for the benefit of the church. In verse seven, he says, for the common good. Sam Storms, in his book, uh, The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gift, who I'm going to be referring to, and uh, as this is his book has influenced much of what I'm going to say. It's a fantastic book. It's one of the ones that Ollie recommended it. So easy to read and understand I would encourage you to read it. So Sam Storm says this about this phrase for the common good. Spiritual gifts are given to the church for the common good. That is to say, so that you and I may be strengthened and nourished and encouraged and consoled and instructed and built up in our Christian faith. Okay, number two, spiritual gifts are gifts of grace. The term Paul uses here in 1 Corinthians 12 for spiritual gifts is the Greek word charisma. It refers to a gracious work of God. In using this word, Paul is emphasizing that spiritual gifts are a product of God's gracious enabling. And this reminds us that all the gifts are supernatural in that they are a result of the Spirit's work, not of ourselves, and therefore eliminates any basis for pride. Number three, spiritual gifts are for everyone. Paul levels the playing field here with these verses, um, and we, um, we read that the gifts are given to one, to another, to another, to another, and still to another. Everyone is expected to play. Everyone is expected to contribute to the well-being, the growth, the strengthening, and the building up of the church. There is a gift, at least one, for everyone, without exception. Number four, spiritual gifts are manifestations, signs, of the Spirit himself. Spiritual gifts are a sign of the Spirit in our lives and a sign of the Spirit in the church's life. Number five, spiritual gifts are from the Spirit. Paul is clear 
as to the source of these gifts. The Spirit is the giver of the gifts and the one who determines who is given what gift. It is neither ourselves who determine what gifts we get, although we can ask for gifts, or other Christians who determine what gifts are given. And this is highlighted by the fact that time after time in our verses, Paul links the spiritual gift back to the giver by referencing the spirit as the source of the gift. And number six, spiritual gifts are not indications of our own spirituality or level of spirituality. Rather, they reflect the Spirit's grace to us. They reflect the Spirit's generosity and sovereignty. Wayne Grudem comments, gifts are not necessarily related to Christian maturity. So whether we've been a Christian five minutes or five decades, with varying levels of maturity, we each get a gift or gifts. That's good news. Praise the Lord. That's good news. So what about our two specific gifts for this morning? Let's reread verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Now, as we can see, the NIV uses the English word message, message of wisdom, message of knowledge, to translate the original Greek word in the text, which is logos. Now, logos can also traditionally be translated word or utterance. So through the Spirit, a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge is given. Now, from the get-go, we do have a wee problem with these two spiritual gifts. In that, neither Paul nor any other New Testament author explain them. They just don't. Uh, Now, wisdom and knowledge in themselves are frequently mentioned elsewhere, but only here in 1 Corinthians 12, 8, are they mentioned as a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. And Paul does not provide us with either a definition or information on how these two gifts are to function and be used in the church. So to help us, we have to look elsewhere within 1 Corinthians and within the New Testament. So what we know about about Corinth as a place from reading 1 Corinthians is that wisdom and knowledge are highly prized. The Corinthians were being influenced by Gnosticism, which emphasized wisdom and knowledge as keys to true spirituality, and really was the basis of why some of the Corinthians were rejecting Paul's message of Christ crucified, the gospel. However, as we read Corinthians, what we see is that Paul is not saying that wisdom and knowledge per se are spiritual gifts, but rather a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge are spiritual gifts. He's making a distinction. 
So Sam Storms, who has become my buddy over the past couple of weeks uh, while preparing this, Sam Storms calls these two gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, revelatory gifts. And he groups them together uh, with prophecy and discerning of spirits. And Storm writes this about these revelatory gifts. I call them revelatory gifts because they are always grounded in or flow out of something the Spirit of God spontaneously reveals or makes known to the human heart and mind. Flow out of or grounded in something the Spirit spontaneously reveals to the human heart or mind. Now, I think that's super helpful. And as we learn about uh, the gifts of word of wisdom and word of knowledge, it's helpful to have that in our heads. Now, I have to say that the commentators uh, fall into two opinions or two lines of thoughts in concern to these two gifts. And this is partly fueled by the fact, as we've already said, that neither Paul or any other New Testament author give a description or definition of what they are. So, however, Gordon Fee explains these two lines of thought, these two opinions like this. Some think uh, Paul had in mind a supernatural endowment of wisdom and knowledge, Factual information that could not have been known without the Spirit's aid. So that aligns itself with what we've just read from Sam Storms about revelatory gifts. Others, this is the second line of thought, others see it more akin to inspired teaching, receiving Christian insight into the meaning of Scripture. So this would include uh, teaching into the redemptive purpose of God through the life death and resurrection of Jesus. So as you can imagine, there's definitely some discussion and debate on these two lines of thought regarding these two gifts. Now, as a word in spirit church, we would align ourselves with the first line of thought, that a word of wisdom and knowledge give information that could not have been known without the Spirit's aid. So to back up that thinking, I'd like to lay out for you just a few Biblical precedents, just stood on fear and a stand, just a few biblical precedents on these two spiritual gifts. So again, I'm taking these from Sam, Sam's book, Sam Storm's book, Sam, my pal, Sam's book. Um, he mentions more, I'm going to give us five, he mentions more, but I'm just going to give us five this morning. And because nobody gives us a definition, a clear definition, these are really, we can't really be certain that these examples I'm going to share with you are definitions, are examples of word and word of knowledge and wisdom, but they are revelatory, and that's helpful to our thinking. So just bear all this in mind. So Matthew 9, 1 to 8, here Jesus is described as knowing the thoughts of the scribes. He knew what the Pharisees were thinking. And in response, he speaks a powerful rebuke. Luke 9, 46 to 48, again, Jesus is described as knowing the reasoning of his disciples' hearts. 
John 4, the, probably the most cited example of word of knowledge and wisdom, Jesus tells a Samaritan woman the secret sins of her life, having never met her before. Acts 8, 26 and 40, we see Philip experiencing hearing the Spirit and giving him instructions concerning the Ethiopian. Is that an example of a word of wisdom? Acts 9, 10 to 19, Ananias is given knowledge in a vision of a man named Saul and receives divine guidance and instruction on what to say. So even without a clear definition of information on these two gifts, we can look elsewhere in the New Testament and see examples of situations which are undoubtedly revelatory in nature, and that's helpful to us. So how can we define a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge kind of succinctly that we can kind of grasp hold of? Well, one uh, definition would be this. A word of wisdom is supernaturally revealed information, and a word of knowledge tells us how to apply the information. Now, what I'd like to do is to give us some real-life examples of words of wisdom and words of knowledge to kind of ground all this really in today's reality for us. So I'm going to share some examples. Some are personal, some are from other people, just to allow us to get a grip of what this might look like today. So um, let me start with one from about four years ago. I was wondering if the Lord might be calling me into something new professionally. At an evening service during ministry time, someone gave me a word of knowledge that said that by September, I would know what the way ahead looked like. Now, this was August, so I was thinking, great. Next month, I'll be sorted. It'll all be clear to me. That's great, God. Thanks so much. September came and went. Nothing. Okay. Now, I do have a journal by my bed, and I write down words and scriptures and pictures that people give me that feel significant. So I wrote this word down in my journal and just pondered it and tried to hold it lightly before the Lord. Now, the word given didn't say by this, set, by this September, Sarah, you'll know. And what happened is that God's timing is always perfect, as we know. And uh, the, by the following September, I had a place confirmed on a counseling degree, and I had a more clear sense of where and what the Lord was leading me to. Somebody at the 845 was sharing with me uh, a story that they were on the metro once, um, and they felt the Lord say to them, take your glove off and shake that man's hand. The man was a youngish man. He looked a little bit um, unkempt. He was drinking cans of lager. Uh, but the, the, the lady in the 845 said to me, but, I, you know, not really like me, but I did it. So she shook the man's hand. They had a conversation. They ended up going to church together. The lady took him to church. Uh, the next day, the guy had been in prison. The pastor of the church they went to shared a story that he'd also been in prison, a part of his history. The young man became a Christian. Amazing. Amazing. And what, also what, what was discovered as they were chatting and getting, getting to know each other, um, the young man's granny had been a Christian and had been praying for him. So... Word of, word of wisdom, word of knowledge may be there. Uh, what about a word of knowledge is about a physical ailment? 
I remember in a youth service once, I got a word that there was a girl who had a pain in her left pinky and was having trouble moving it. Uh, we, I shared that, someone responded, we prayed for her, and she was able to give testimony that the pain had gone and the movement had been restored. Praise the Lord. What about a few weeks ago when Andrea Wigglesworth shared from here, the stage, that the Lord would open doors for us, his people, doors of favor, doors of promotion, doors of advancement, doors that had long been closed would be opened. And when Ollie also recently gave what I thought was both a word of knowledge and wisdom, when he shared that someone, uh, he thought that someone needed to hear that Jesus is in control of their life. And the word of wisdom was to look again to him and allow him to bring the breakthrough, trumping the plans of the enemy. Now, I don't know about you, but I sometimes hear a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge through a worship song or through a Bible verse. I don't know if this is random or whether it's just me or other people. It just tends to be how God speaks to me. So sometimes if I'm worshipping at home, a phrase, a biblical truth or a declaration from a worship song will jump out at me, often accompanied with a person's name. So I've just taken that as a word of knowledge, and I've maybe thought, well, perhaps that person needs to know that thing that jumped out. So I would often send them the link to the worship song with a little bit of a, hey, I hope you don't think I'm weird, but, you know, uh, this is what I think the Lord might be saying, and just ping it off to them. Um, Sometimes when I'm talking with somebody, a Bible verse will just constantly run around my head. Do you have that in conversation with folks? It's just running around <laughs> relentlessly. It just appears. And so over the years, I've got braver with this. And now, more often than not, I offer the verse as part of our conversation. And this happened just the other week when I was talking with a friend about where the Lord had brought her to in her life. And as we talked, I got the verse, Joel 2.25, although I didn't know it was that when I got the verse, but I got the verse, I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. And it was just running around my head. So it was in keeping with our conversation. It was encouraging and strengthening. And so I just offered it in the moment to my friend, hoping that it would bless her. Now, why am I telling you these testimonies? Because I believe that testimonies can shift the atmosphere in a room. I believe they can increase faith and release faith as we hear and listen to stories of what God has done and can do. You see, church, spiritual gifts of a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge are meant for us. They're meant for us in order to build up, to nourish, and to strengthen each other. And how do we know if we've got these gifts? Well, honestly, I would just say, ask the Lord and then step out. Just try it. Just give it a go. See what the Lord does in and through you. It may be that words of wisdom and words of knowledge are not your primary gifting, and that's totally fine. We don't all have every gift, but in the stepping out, we'll discover which gifts we do have. So to close, let me offer five practical tips in relation to a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. So number one, keep close to Jesus. 
John 10, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. If we're close to him, we'll get to recognize his voice. Pursue holiness, chase after him, the giver, and the gifts will follow as a blessing and as favor. Number two, practice. In 1 Timothy 4.14, Paul encourages Timothy not to neglect the gift that God had given him. So let's practice. Ask the Lord for a wee word for someone. Step out. Take a wee risk. It does sometimes take radical obedience and radical faith to do this. I know that. But that's how we grow. That's how we learn. And you know, to be honest, I'd rather get it wrong. I'd rather step out and get it wrong and look a little bit foolish than not be obedient. Number three, remember the benchmark. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Any word offered needs to come to the benchmark of being strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. Full stop. If it's not, I would advise you to go and speak to someone who is perhaps a little bit older in the faith in you and just say, oh, I've got this, what do you think? Rather than just sharing it in the moment. Okay, uh, number four, offer a word. If you're giving a word of wisdom or knowledge, be mindful of how we give it. We sometimes get it wrong. We're only human. God never gets it wrong, but we do. We can sometimes mishear. So offer it to the, Lord, uh, to the other person, saying something like, I think the Lord might be saying. I am always a little bit cautious in saying something like, the Lord told me. Thus says the Lord, because I get it wrong. I really do get it wrong, probably more times than I get it right. So just softening our language as we share words of wisdom and knowledge is probably helpful to the person receiving. Number five, last one, test it. Test it. Following on from the last point, we get it wrong sometimes. So as a receiver of the word, as a receiver of the word, uh, test it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 tells us to weigh up and evaluate words given. Does it align with scripture? Words of knowledge and wisdom are not infallible. Only scripture is infallible. So does it align with scripture? So, church... Let's earnestly desire the gifts. Let's ask the Lord for words of wisdom and knowledge for each other. Let's be brave. Let's step out and let's take we risks. Because you never know, you may bless somebody else abundantly by taking a wee step of faith. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up um, and join me. And in a moment, not just at the minute, in a moment, if you're able and you'd like to, I'm going to invite you to stand. And we, I'm going to ask you to think of one person to ask the Lord for a word of knowledge and wisdom for. Might be a family member, might be a work colleague, might be a church member. Don't know. So I'd like to think of one person that you're going to ask the Lord for a word 
of knowledge or wisdom for. And then in silence, we are going to wait. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to wait. Now, because we're going to pray and say, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you give us a, would you give me a word for Susan? Um, we're going to trust that whatever comes is from the Lord. Now, if you're anything like me, you'll be going, mm, is that me? Did I hear that right? Am I just imagining that? Is that because I know this? Da, 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 da. We're just going to trust because it's for the Lord. And I would encourage you that anything that kind of comes immediately or flitters through your mind, kind of just grab hold of it because more often than not, that, that's the piece, that's the bit, more often than not. Okay, and we're just going to trust that what we've got is from the Lord. And then I'll pray to close that bit. And then after the service is finished, we're going to then do some ministry, just, in, just fill in the Holy Spirit ministry because we all need it, we're all leaky, let's be filled by the Spirit. But after the service is finished, I'm going to encourage you to go and speak to that person, if they're here, and offer that word of wisdom or knowledge that you've got from God. And if you haven't, don't worry, that's why we practice. Because sometimes we need to learn to know what the voice of God sounds like. But if you've got something, go and speak to that person over coffee. If they're not here, text them, FaceTime them, email them, pass it on, encourage them, step out, grow, take a risk. Because he's already there, tight ropes and safety nets, he's already got you. It's all fine. Take a risk. Okay, you see I'm a bit like, oh. Let's go for this church. So I'm going to invite you to stand. Okay. So maybe just call to mind one person who you would like to ask the Lord to give you a word of wisdom or knowledge for. Just call, just imagine them, call to mind that person. You might want to just put your hands out with your palms up just as a way of uh, physically expressing, I'm ready to receive something from you, Lord. Sometimes there's something about position, right? Position of our bodies. So, Father God, we thank you that your desire is always to speak to us, probably more than we desire to speak to you. In fact, not probably, absolutely more than we desire to speak to you. So thank you that you are a God who loves us, who wants to give us spiritual gifts, and whose desire is to speak and chat and commune with his kids. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And right now, God, as we hold the person in our mind's eye before you, we ask, Holy Spirit, would you come and give us a word or a picture, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom for that person to encourage them? Come now, Holy Spirit, and we're going to wait. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, we're not going to wait too long because I don't want it to feel like a wrestling match because it, often it just comes like that. And if it doesn't, that's fine. We just practice and then we keep asking. So and let me just pray. Spirit of God, we love you. Spirit of God, we bless you. Spirit of God, we thank you that you are here with us. 
and whether we've received anything from you or not, or whether we think we've received anything from you or we think we haven't received anything from you, Lord, I pray that you would bless my brothers and sisters here this morning. Just blessing and favor and connection and enlargement and enrichment in Jesus' name. And Lord, for the person that we may have got a word of knowledge or wisdom for, we just pray, God, that you would hold them and would you give us courage, Spirit of God? Would you literally catapult us across the room if we need it, Spirit? Would you literally let us bump into them or whatever so we can share that word with them? Give us courage, we pray, because, Lord, we're never on our own. You're always with us. You've always got us. You always give us the words to say, and you delight for us to grow and to stretch and to have fun with these things. So we bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.